Alright, the title of today's sermon is called Punctilious. Punctilious. Right, Natasha? Punctilious. Right? So, a new word, new word, right? What does it mean? It means to pay attention to detail, but not only that, but noticing good behavior. Punctilious. Ah, new word. I, I'm trying to learn a new word every day. I once had a friend who's a pastor, and he told me his hobby, his name is David Ashtray, his hobby is reading dictionary. I looked at him, I'm like, who does that? Whose hobby is reading the dictionary? And he says, mine. Today, I've joined him in the ranks. Confession. Sorry, David. Uh, like, like, honestly, it's fun. <laughs> I'm such a nerd now. I, my English teacher will be proud of me. I'm reading the dictionary as a hobby. It's interesting. There's a new word that I find. So much so that, that there are days where I write a word in my essay and my prof is like, James. And by the way, he's a doctorate guy, right? And he's like, I'm learning a new word from you, from an Asian. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Too much wrong in that sentence. First of all, you're saying, I don't know enough English words because I'm young. Secondly, you're implying because I'm Asian, I don't know enough English words. I say, I read the dictionary, man. I read the dictionary. Hmm. Punctilious. Punctilious. I don't want to say punctuation. Punctilious, right? But today I'm going to look at a person. A person in the Bible that's so important, so critical that I think sometimes we neglect her. You know, have you ever, ever go to your closet uh, or your whatever you, wherever you keep your clothes and find one sock? That happened to me this morning, not intentionally. Not intentionally. Like I was looking for a pair of socks and I found one. And I thought, what happened to the other one? And it seems like it always happened that there'll be certain pairs of socks that the one sock would disappear. There's a rumor. They say that a washing machine have to take a sacrifice of a sock once in a while for it to keep on functioning. But the thing is, like, I'll, I'll, growing up, that's all. I'll, it'll happen to me. I'll be looking for the sock, and I'm like, Mom, where's my sock? And she's like, it's there. And I know it's not there. I'm staring at it, and she walks by and here. Like, I have, like, the eyes. People call it the man eyes. They don't see things, if it's, even though it's, like, right there. God gave ladies a gift so that we will not go sockless. They're more than that. They notice more than that. They notice a lot of things. They remember things for, good, for the better or worse. They remember things for a long, long, long time. Then if you ask them this, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's that. And I'm like, oh, wow, how do you remember that? I just do. I just do. So today we, 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 we're looking at a story of a, a person, a lady, who actually does the same thing. She remembers. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. If you know you're going to the beginning of any gospel, is about the birth of Jesus and around that time, what happened. Luke chapter 2. Scripture reading for today. Verse 19. So chapter 2 describes the birth of Jesus. He was born. That in itself reminds you how important women are. Right? If you look at the creation, if you look at the sequence of creation, right? Caveat. It is not a deep, thorough Hebrew exegesis that I come to this conclusion. Right? If you look at creation, the creation goes, God creates stuff. He creates the container and then the product. He creates earth and then animals, right? Water and then fishes and then the sky and then the birds. and Then, the, then he created woman. But I say, no, 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 James, he created Adam first. If you go according to the sequence, right? The container, and then the thing who occupies it, Adam, 
And then you get Eve. Two. And if you go to look at the creation another way, if it's about, and went from non, non-living things like light and, and air and water to plants, living things, to animals, it's kind of an ascending order of perfection, right? Some people say, you know, Eve was created as a helpmeet to men, so they are like subordinate to men. Wait, wait, she was created after you, so she's the final product. You're the prototype. God like, ah, not good. That's in the Bible. Not good for men to be alone. He needs help, created Eve. He can't take care of himself. He can't find his sock, Eve. He can't survive. He wouldn't know how to cook, Eve. He doesn't know how to think and plan for his own life. He doesn't know how to get work, Eve. He doesn't know how to name animals, but he doesn't know what to do with the animals, Eve. In fact, the Bible says there's a misunderstanding where they say they took the rib out of Adam. People think he, God took one bone. Nah. If you read the verse in its original context, hey, I did do some exegesis, eh? God didn't take one rib. The word itself implied more so like he took half of Adam. That's why when Adam saw Eve, he says, meat of my meat, flesh of my flesh, that's my half. That's me. Without Eve, I am incomplete. Guys, recognize that. Without the community, I'm not saying you have to get married, you have to find your Eve, but without the other person around you that God has planned to be in your life, you are not complete. God designed as an extension of God himself, his trinity, a community. Humans were supposed to be community today. Today, again and again, I hear people say, Pastor, it's okay, I don't need to come to church. I just read the Bible. I just, I just pray. I just grow in Jesus. You know how you grow in Jesus? Go to church and meet how annoying church people are. Then you grow. You love them. You forgive them. You're like, God, I hate them, but help me love this person. That's how you grow. You can't grow by being in yourself, by yourself at home. See, if I get a choice, you'd be surprised as a pastor, if I can choose to not have any relationship with people, I would do that. Because relationship's messy, so troublesome, so... But it's only in those relationships that you also experience the awesomeness of forgiveness, of love, of understanding, of connecting, of, of encouraging, of comfort. It's only in those. If you are by yourself, you'll be fine. But you won't be human because God created human to be in a community. And God used a woman, used, used woman, Eve, to exemplify and help human beings understand that. So we need to spend more time studying the woman of the Bible. So chapter 2 talks about the birth of Jesus. And intentionally, God could have just like, ping, Jesus. That's fine. God could have like, Jesus uh, appear by the Holy Spirit's power without a woman being involved at all. No. Again, God was intentional in the way He did it. He used a human woman to conceive Jesus, went through nine months, born of a woman. And so after Jesus was born, in verse 19, I'll read a little bit before that to tell you what she was remembering. Verse 11, verse 10. 
And the angel said to them, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be, that, that will be for all the people. Angel spoke to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in sweating clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. When an angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, what the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. I love that. They quickly, quickly went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying they had been told about the child, concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And this is where it happened. So Mary treasured up all these things. She heard it. She treasured it, pondering them in her heart. Today, a lot of us look at and hear stuff that we don't understand or we encounter a, an experience with God that seemed to be out of the norm and we reject it. Or we try to like, rationalizing. But the Bible tells us Mary didn't just go, nah, how can my son be Jesus? But wait a minute. He came while I was a virgin. Maybe there is more to the story. I don't understand. But Mary's choice was to treasure what she heard in her heart and ponder. The word for pondering could mean meditating on it. A lot of times you may hear a thing from God that you don't understand. Don't dismiss it. Don't just go, I don't understand it. I don't know what it's about. I have no clarity. I will forget it. The word here that is translated treasure is she kept close to her heart. It was something that she, like very precious, like you hold a newborn baby. Like this is so precious. She kept what she heard preciously close to her heart. Pondering. What does it mean? So Mary exemplifies to us what we should do when you, you, you're encountering a situation in your life, like the pandemic. It's confusing. It's something that we don't understand. Why is God allowing this to happen? Don't dismiss it. Don't try to like find a reason. Don't like conclude that you know the answer. Like some of us jump to conclusion too quickly. Oh, this is the end of the world. This is the government trying to like persecute the church. Yes, maybe, but it's not the final story. Collect information, listen to it, think about it, keep it in your heart. She didn't go like pushing her point. I think my son is Christ. On people, no, she didn't do that. She kept it to the heart. She kept thinking about it, meditating. What does this mean? What does this mean? And the story goes on. And Luke continued that the next time she had an experience with Jesus was this. Luke 24, verse 8 to 11. I don't think it's Luke 24. It's before that. There was, that's the last verse. It was it's Luke, where Jesus goes, it's chapter 2, not 24, chapter 2, and where Jesus presented at the temple, 
And then later on, he was brought to Jerusalem and he encountered this event. Verse 41, verse 41. Verse 41 goes, Now his parents, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 41 goes, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Do note this is important. The family, the parents, exemplifies the behavior you want your children to have. Right? If you want something, your children, you want your children to do something, you better be doing it yourself. So even though this is like Jesus, right? This is like Christ, God allowed Jesus to grow up in a family that exemplified how human beings have to practice their belief. And so every year at the Feast of the Passover, which is like amazing because it points to Jesus, Jesus will be brought along with the whole clan to Jerusalem, verse 22. And when he was 12, so he's been doing this for 12 years. I love how the Bible just keeps over 12 years. Because it's going to be the same thing again and again and again and again and again. So this is like PSLE year, right? So PSLE, he didn't study for his PSLE. He went to church, right? <laughs> so God, the family brought all of them, again, as per their custom, to Jerusalem. It's Passover. And verse 43, when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. There's so many questions I have about just this passage, like... How could that happen? But as you look into it, yeah, probably had many other people around, relatives. And maybe like Lucas, you know, 12 years old, he's not going to stick to me. You know, he's going to run to his auntie, run to my dad, and all that. He's just going to be playing around. So you, like, you assume if the whole clan is moving, you will, the kid will follow. I've heard real life stories of this. You know, I didn't believe it was happened by a hero life story of this, where a parent, friend of mine, you shall not be named, um, went out. And it was a, a, a family holiday. And <laughs> oh, it's so bad. But no, I asked for permission. I asked for permission. I remember a holiday, and uh, they were traveling. They were traveling in Hong Kong. And uh, the whole family went out. It was like, I think it was like three hotel rooms. Each room was like those sweet ones with two other rooms inside. So it was like eight rooms, and each room had a couple of people. I didn't totally that the, the whole shebang was like 20 people. Uh, his son, his son, his, uh, clue number one, not church member. Uh-huh. So his son was about 11 years old, and they were going out uh, for yam cha, right, yam cha. So in Hong Kong, yam cha is not like lunchtime. It's like you go 10 o'clock, yam cha. And so they were all like rushing because you, you book the number, you have to be there, or they give your seats away, right? So to get 20 people out of the hotel, and now it's, it's not easy. I understand the circumstances. Not easy. So he brought them out, got to the, the Yamcha place, glad they got there in time. They were separated in two tables, 10 10 at each table, and they sat down, and then a 10 9. Who's missing, huh? Ask my friend, the father of the child. Who's missing? And all of a sudden, the mother looked at the father. The person you're supposed to dress. So I did dress him and bring along. So the son, poor son, was left back in the hotel room by himself. And the father, luckily, it was not very far, right? Luckily, it was walking distance. <laughs> He's like, oh dear. Ran all the way home, looked at the son. The son, yeah, it was quite steady. He's like, this is the best part. He told me a story. The son looked at him and goes, Ah, you forgot me, huh? <laughs> Till today. The son is 19 years old. So obviously, the dad didn't tell me the story. 
Obviously, the son told me the story. And till today, till today, whenever they leave the house, but don't forget me, okay? Till today, till the day he passed away, it's going to happen. It happens. It has happened to my friend. I heard more than one story of similar happening. Some I know them, some I don't know them, but it can happen. Lucas, I will try my best. I shall not forget you. So it happened. So, so Mary and Joseph was rushing. Was, I believe the clan was more than 100 people, for sure. And, and they were all moving back to Galilee. They walked. They walked. And so, so Jesus started his life walking to Jerusalem, back to Galilee, walking to Jerusalem, back to Galilee. See, it's a, it's a trend. It's a trend. And so as they're walking, and after, <laughs> after three days, they found him. They found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Oh, good. If, if you can't find your child, maybe you come to ask that, you'll find. I don't, don't know, right? I don't know whether that happened, but that's what happened. They found Jesus, and all who heard him were amazed. These are Pharisees. This is not like a country town little church. This is like the, the temple in Jerusalem where like the highest of the highest were trained. Jesus was there, 12 years old. I am sure the Pharisees, the priests, wanted to keep him. Oh, this guy. So much potential. Man, he'll be the next great high priest or the next great Pharisee. I'm sure that's what they thought. Because you must understand in questioning and, and, and answering, that's the way the rabbi talk. He's 12. He's like asking questions. Jesus got it, right? He's forever asking questions, you know? Like he's asking questions and the teacher's like, wow. Found him there and when his parents saw him, they were astonished and his mother said to him, Obviously, the words kind of like smoothened out. I think it was a bit harsher than that. Son, why have you treated us so? I think it was a bit more. I think you got a good scolding, perhaps. But maybe not. And then, behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And then you don't understand. Oh, and then he replied. <laughs> this is like, if, if my son replied this, ah, Ian, don't do this to your mom. Eh? And when his friend. <laughs> And he said to them, said to them, verse 49, why were you looking for me? What? Why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? I'm supposed to be here. I'm home. Why are you looking for me? Go home. Wow. Say it all. If somebody said that to me, it'd be really horrible, really, really bad. If I heard any kids say that to the, the parents, I'd be like, but this is not a typical person. This is Jesus, right? This is Jesus. Of course, like the parents are like, what? They don't understand what he said to them. But Jesus was obedient. He was supposed to stay in the temple and continue the work. Maybe it would have been different, but he knew. He's supposed to follow his parents home for the next 18 years. And he went with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive. This is important. That says Jesus, though he knew there's something he should do, he realizes a bit, a, another thing he also needs to do. In life, there seems to be a time we, we make this false dichotomy where we choose this or that. When we go, where I, I do this, I do this, I can't do that. But they're like, Jesus like, yeah, I need to do this, but I can still do this and wait a little bit for the other thing. It's okay to wait. It's even okay for Jesus to, 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 to say that it's okay for the world to wait for their Savior. And because he waited, I don't think it's because he didn't understand, the time was even better. When he, was start, when he started his ministry at 30 years old, that was perfect. 
See, I always struggle. I always struggle with the fact that God called me to ministry at 30. I always say, I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm like, I, God, like, I can't do much for you, man. I'm like 30 years old. I'm already. By the time I finish my study, I'll be like mid-30s, and then I'll be like 40. And then uh, I never imagined I'll be 40 years old. 40 years are so old. Last time when I was young, I look at like when I was in PSLE, 12 years old, right? I look at like the secondary school kids who are like one year older. But because they're in secondary school, right? They're like, oh, they're so old. They're so clever. They're so wise. You know, when I was sec one, sec one, I look at the sec four, right? Old level students, 16 years old, I'm like, wow. They're like wisdom, pinnacle. Then I look at university students, like old people. University people are so old. Then now I look at university students, I'm like, so young. <laughs> you are so, 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 so young. And I think back when I was a university student, how proud and arrogant I was. When I was in university, I think like, I knew, every, I know everything. I'm in university now. I will hit my own self and if I see my own university on the head, man. Submit it. But God made it so that when I went 30 years old, went to study, it was the best time of my life and He anchored me in my ministry. Because if I go any earlier, I'll miss that group of people. If I go any later, I'll miss the group of people. I went at a time where God said it was best for me. Even that the, the bunch of us who served together in the church, we tell each other when we say, the best time is always the time when you, when he's, when you realize it after it's passed. Like, we wish we knew this is going to be the best time of our lives in the beginning. But unfortunately, you don't. But today, we still encourage each other and say, wow, that was a strong and powerful time. They anchored us. Made the best friends of my life during that time. God knows. Best time. When is it? But verse 51. Verse 51. They didn't understand. Again, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, but yet the mother did the right thing. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So this word, although translated the same in English as treasured, but it's a different Hebrew word, totally different root. The first was keeping it close, keeping it safe. Don't tell anybody. This treasure was consolidating all the information I have and gathering them together. So she moves from not understanding, I will not tell anybody, to I don't understand, but I'm getting more information. Let me put it together and look at it and, and try to understand what it means. If you're going through a time in your life where you don't understand, follow Mary. She didn't understand in the first place, she kept it close. But don't forget Write it down. Put it somewhere. Do a vlog. Then later on when she has a, an, another experience, 12 years later, she consolidated what she kept. I think it's more than just that one instance, but continuously over the years, she saw different things. She kept it close. She kept it safe. She kept it secret. Gather, gather, gather. And at 12 years old, this crazy event happened. She saw this happening. She remembers at the birth of Jesus what the shepherds say. And she's like... Gather it, looked at it. What does this mean? That's the right reference. So I got it upside down. So now let's go to Luke 24. At the end of Jesus' life, having gone through many, many, I can't point out every instance, but if you don't realize, Mary appears again and again and again and again as the mother of Jesus, going through her own struggle of trying to help Jesus. If you look at the four gospels, trying to push him to what he was supposed to be, and at times questioning who he is, but always keeping those things in her heart and continuously to think about it. Verse 8. 
And they, oh, let me go a bit before. I'll go to verse, 20, verse 1. But chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went up to the tomb, taking the spices they prepared. This is after the crucifixion of Jesus. As a mother, she would be heartbroken. She was right beside the cross with John, the beloved. And, and Jesus says, John, behold your mother. Mary, behold your son. And she's like, it's a farewell, it's a goodbye, but how could it be? All those things I remember from his birth when he was 12 years old, continuously gnawed at her. And says, how could it be that you die? And they found the stone rolled away, verse 2. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Sometimes when you reach the end of everything you know, when you've lost all hope, you know who you meet? You meet the messenger of God who points you somewhere else. That while you're looking to a dead cave that's empty, look somewhere else. And the thing is, you have to go. They have to go to the tomb. They have to go confront a seemingly symbol of destruction, a, a symbol of all hope lost. It was at that place where they think everything is gone, where God speaks. And as they were frightened and bowed their face to the ground, the man said to them, why? Here we go. This is like underline this, memorize this. Really important for our lives, especially during the current climate. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has reason. Remember how he told you. He told you. Again, the idea of remembering what Jesus says to you. Remember he told you? While he was still in Galilee, Mary, mother of Jesus, remember what you treasured in your heart. That the Son of Man must be delivered, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on, and on the third day rise. Beautiful part, the next verse. And they remembered his words. As that it's okay to forget. Sometimes we beat ourselves up for like, why did I claim the promise from God? Why did I not trust? Why did I have faith? It is okay to forget. But then because you've been treasuring all these words in your heart, you've been meditating on them, you've consolidated, you've kept them, and you looked at them, you didn't understand them, but you didn't forget it, and you've been neglected it, and go to the back of your mind, you've forgotten, God says He will remind you. And you'll bring it to your memory. John 16, the Spirit will bring it to the forefront of your mind. And they remembered His words. Mary remembered the words she's kept in her hearts all these years. And Luke wrote a second book, if you don't know. He wrote the book of Acts too. And this is the beautiful, beautiful, 
beautiful. You thought the end of story of Mary was in the gospel, that, that, that you don't see her anymore, the mother of Jesus concludes there. No. Yes, she did stop being the mother of Jesus, the human. And she didn't become something else. I will not go into too much detail there. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it is so clear, so clear, Start from verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem, again Jerusalem, from the mount called Olivet, and near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away, not too far. And when they had entered this little place, this upper room, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. Everybody else is that one person. We know who that person is. All this... All the disciples were devoting themselves to prayer. There we go. Together with the women. And the Bible like specially points it out. Like bring it to the forefront intentionally. Because she is a woman. But no, it's not enough. He said, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now, they've finally become family with Jesus. Remember, there was one time where the brother would go and say, tell Jesus his brother is here, and he says, who's my family? Because God doesn't just want us to be like, trying to get favors through blood relations. God wants us to be fully, spiritually, entirely belonging to his heavenly family. And now Mary, the mother of Jesus, moves from Mary, the mother of Jesus, to become Mary, the disciple of Jesus. She now recognizes who Jesus is. All those words she's heard, treasured in her heart, pondered over time, reminded by the angels, now accumulated at a point where Mary now brought the brothers along. James wrote the book of James, the brother of Jesus. All became disciples of Jesus. They finally were able to see Jesus clearly as who he's supposed to be, Lord Messiah. Story doesn't end. Story doesn't end. Mary, the mother of Jesus, were in the upper room among the disciples and received the coming of the Holy Spirit, was one of those who were involved in the first Pentecost. Your journey has not ended, it has only begun. The death of Jesus didn't bring an end to the story of Mary, but she became a, a, a disciple of Jesus who did the work that God gave to everybody else. So church, what is God saying to you or have said to you? Are there things that God has given to you uniquely, specially, specifically to you at a certain point in your life when you were younger that you've just swept it away and tried to like forget it? But is there? What is God saying to you, church? What has God said to you as an individual, as a person, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Jesus? What have God said to you? And like Mary, maybe what he said to you is challenges you. At 12 years old, seeing your son say those things is challenging. It brings you out of your comfort zone to confront the fact that you conceived this person while you were a virgin. And at his birth, angels came, shepherds came to say he is Christ. We tend to like wonder, that's, that's not real, but it is real. 
At 12 years old, what he said, you'd be like, oh, I have to. Because you know to marry, what he said was very powerful because we all know Joseph is not his real earthly father. So when Jesus says, I'm in my father's house, Mary would be like, he doesn't have a father. He was conceived when I was a virgin. His father is God. What? Jesus is the son of God? It's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Challenging. And what is God reminding you? There's something in your heart that God has been prompting, prompting, prompting. And hey, hey, have you forgotten that I said this to you one time? Maybe it's about your call to serve Him in a very special way that only you can do it. There's a, a general call to, to ministry, to serve God, to be a disciple, but every single one of us have a special, unique calling that is just for us. James Tam Chun Yu, who has a specific calling that is only for me. I'm not just called to be a pastor. I'm calling to be a pastor specifically in this setting, in this way to do these things. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to do? He's trying to prompt you, remind you. He doesn't want just you to be like, have a profession, be a teacher, be a dentist, a doctor, a nurse, an engineer. He doesn't want you just do that. He doesn't you just want to be an awesome hawker. He doesn't want you to be an artist, a musician. He doesn't want to just be that, this general. He wants you to be specific, specially, uniquely you. What is God trying to bring it out? Calling you to be a mother, which is the hardest job in the world. And what is God saying? Not just be a general, generic, buy off the fair price shelf mother. There's no such thing. Because your child is going to be this unique, specialized he knows how to push all your button kind of a person. So you have to react and, and, and discipline and, and teach and grow and encourage and love. You are uniquely called to your role. Fathers, you're not just called to play with your son or to like discipline your son or to nag your son. You have to be a father uniquely, just as unique, as special to your child and to your wife. What is God calling you to do? Because there's a bigger picture. It's not just that current role. There's this position that we all have to play, have to take up in this kingdom of God. What is God reminding you? And God is saying, this is not something I'm asking you to do and not helping you. Like, I wouldn't ask Ella to be presided and go like, figure it out, dude. Should not do it. And then she'd be like, no, Pastor Jim, never ever again. Although it's kind of scary still. I'll help her, give some information, some coaching, some guidance. All the more God, who is just like preparing you for this crazy journey of being empowered to serve Him in His kingdom, to build His kingdom and grow this relationship of love that the world direly needs today. God is waiting to empower you to fulfill your specific uniquely special calling as mother of Jesus Mary was called to do. That's a crazy, crazy call. Mary struggled and you will struggle. Mary accepted it not because she had gumption, you know, because she was gung-ho about it. No, no, no. She's, she accepted it because God promised His Spirit to guide and lead and enable and empower her and same is for you. 
So church, as we go into the closing song, as we remind ourselves that God, Jesus, is King. You know when the song says, crown him with many crown, it doesn't mean to just call him by name, but to help establish his rule on this world, in this world. So church, treasure the things God is saying to your hearts. Ponder upon it, consolidate it, remember it. Thank you, Pastor, for that very inspiring sermon. As a mum, I think I really appreciate that. Let's all uh, sing our closing song, or hail the power of Jesus' name. the benediction. Father, I pray for your love to fill us and the grace of Jesus to accompany us and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us as we learn from Mary to find our unique calling to establish your kingdom. Wherever we are in Singapore, wherever we are in our lives, wherever we are in our relationship in our family, our relatives, our friends, our colleagues, to be your comforting balm upon the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.